Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. Discerning the times, discerning the times. Um, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. How many read that in John chapter 15? I am the vine, you're the branches. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit will be cut off. Did you hear that? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit will be cut off. And every branch in me that does bear fruit will be pruned. Pruned. You know what it means to be pruned? It means to be cut. To cut off all those things that are unproductive. So, whether you bear fruit or not, you're going to get cut. Come on, say with me this morning. Whether you bear fruit or not, you're going to get cut, so you might as well get cut for a good reason. And it's because you're being fruitful, because you're being productive. Those words tell us that God takes productivity seriously. He takes productivity seriously. And if he takes it seriously, we should take it seriously. Amen? Amen. All, oh, let me back up. So, I, I really didn't understand pruning and the crisis associated with pruning until, I shared this many years ago, it bears repeating, until I saw what happened when we planted pine trees in our yard to create sort of a natural fence between our property and our neighbor's property. And those pine trees were lined up close together, so it creates like a a beautiful separation. After a few years of growth, they grew very fast and tall and beautiful. But then we began to notice that at the bottom, it began to thin out. So it was no longer that beautiful barrier we can now see right through into our neighbor's yard. And nothing against my neighbor, but I didn't want to see what they were doing. Um, So it was about privacy. So I, I, I called the landscaper and I said, you know, this is what's happening. How can we, what can we do? Do I have to take these trees out and plant new trees? He said, no, 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 no. He said, I'll prune them. So I said, okay. So I'm wondering, you know, how is that going to affect the bottom where nothing is growing? Because everything is growing at the top and it just keeps shooting up. So I watched the day that he did it. He brought in special equipment, and he cut off all the tops of the trees. Just went right across, cut them all off. So the trees were shortened because he cut off all the tops. And I said, well, what does the top have to do with the bottom? He said that cutting off the top puts the tree in crisis. And how it responds is to begin to fill out the bottom. So it begins to redirect growth to the needed areas. Are you all hearing me this morning? I'm preaching good already, and you don't even notice it. What did he do? He created a crisis. He created a crisis. So pruning, which is really God's process of purification, is by way of crisis. God's pruning, cutting away those things in our lives that are unproductive, 
is by way of crisis. So crisis for us is not a problem. Not something we run from, but something we embrace because we know God is going to use it to purify us and make us more productive. I'm trying to adjust your attitude because attitude determines what, only six of you been here for a few years? <laughs> attitude determines good and loud. Talk back to me. See, that's, that's, a, that's a, one of the beautiful distinctions of the church of color. They talk back. When I go to other churches, they're just listening and taking notes. And I had to get them to interact with me. I remember my first time in Asia, it was quiet. And I'm wondering if I'm getting through. And the pastor said to me, he said, no, they're listening. They're taking notes. I said, oh, well, I need a little interaction. <laughs> That's our style. So I had to train them. Now they talk back to me when I go to Asia, when they know I'm preaching. They don't, you know, shout amen, somebody. No, they don't, they don't, they don't go there. But they do interact. They do interact. So, um, you know, for us, the, the part of the black church and church of color experience is call and response call and response. That's part of the style and experience. You know what I mean by call and response, right? So the preacher says, how long? And you all say, see what I mean? You're already trained. You're already trained. There you go. So all purification is by way of what? Crisis. So essentially spiritual renewal or what we call revival is God pruning, God creating scenarios that put us in crisis towards greater productivity. So when we pray for revival, be careful what you're praying for, or at least be aware of what you're praying for. Because when you pray for revival, which means you want to be revived, it means you're admitting you're dead. Or in need of a reawakening. Are you with me? A reawakening. Because essentially that's what revival is. Or renewal. Well, in those words I use interchangeably. Revival, renewal. Revival, renewal. Revival or renewal, spiritual renewal, right? Is the reawakening of passion, purpose, and vision. You need to write that down. The purification associated with revival and renewal is a reawakening of passion, purpose, and vision. And when passion, purpose, and vision are reawakened in your life, innovation, creativity, all of those things begin to activate. Hallelujah. Amen. When you are presented with a challenge, do you notice how you respond if you accept the challenge? You start thinking. Right? The creative juices start flowing. Absolutely. It's true in our relationship with God. How many have read Matthew 6.33? How many are familiar with Matthew? Raise your hand if you're familiar with Matthew 6.33. Okay. All right. For the most part. You need to be. What are you doing not knowing that verse? I rebuke you. I can do that. I'm the pastor. You better know that verse. In the conventional Understanding of that verse, it says what? Those of you who know Matthew 6.33, it says what? Give me a little King James. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first, which means priorities, right? First means what? Priorities. Set as your priority. When it says seek ye first, means to set as your priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
And the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God, but it's also a way of seeing life that informs our words, thoughts, motives, actions, attitudes, and choices. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his righteous way of doing and being. And all these, I can't hear you, all these will be, how many are here to learn? Okay, let me just tell you something, all right? And, and, and it was mentioned in the prayer over the offering from 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in even as your soul prospers. All right? We develop in life through study and reflection. Write that down. We develop in life. How? How do we develop in life? How do we grow in life? Through what? Study and reflection. You got that? I, I'm trying to make it simple and clear without losing profundity. How do we, how do we develop in life? Study and reflection. Because you study it, it means you have to read it, go over it, unpack it, understand it, know how to apply it, right? And reflect on it Constantly, This is what God told Joshua. He says, this, when, when Joshua was to take over for Moses, that's a big job, take over for Moses. It's a big job to take over leading over a million people in the wilderness into the promised land, especially people who are not too cooperative. It's a big job. So what does he say? He says, this book of the law, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Therefore, be very courageous, right? It takes courage. It takes courage. But notice the language, meditate therein, which means to reflect on. So study the word of God. Right? This book of the law, which means the, the whole law, right? The word. Study it. Learn it. Understand it. Grow in your understanding of it and its application in your life. And meditate, which means to reflect on it. So in anything in life, we develop and we grow through what? Study and reflection. What? Through what? Study and and reflect. I'm going to inculcate this in you, which means I'm going to say it again and again until y'all get it. Study and reflect. How do you grow? How do you develop in life? How do you grow and develop in life? CCC, how do you grow and develop in life? Y'all in your living room and bedroom and kitchen and dining room, how do you develop and grow in life? Come on, help them out. Right. Study. You have to study. You have to study. And reflect. That's why when he said, thou shalt meditate therein day and night, don't think that that means that you sit under a tree and read your Bible and pray. No, while you're working, while you're going through your daily activity, you can reflect. You can reflect on a verse. You can reflect on its application. You can reflect on the wisdom you gain from it. You can reflect on experiences associated with the text. Hallelujah. One thing about renewal and revival, which I'm in personally, I invite you all to join me, is you have a greater consciousness of the presence of God. When you're in renewal, when you're in revival, and there's personal renewal, there's cultural renewal, right? There's a renewal, uh, there's corporate renewal, which is a collective renewal, let's say, of a church or an organization or a society, but there's personal renewal. When you personally are experiencing a reawakening of passion, purpose, and vision. When you're in that state, there is a higher sensitivity to the presence of God in your life. Amen? I was in a business meeting and became so conscious of God's presence in that meeting. I had to leave so I can go speak in tongues. And there's those of you, well, speaking in tongues. That's another story. We won't get into that. Glossolalia, it's real. You don't have to do it in order to be saved. 
but it is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I just said will rock some denominations because they believe you do. But <laughs> let's take the whole body of truth, the whole body of scripture. But I, because I was so conscious of the presence of God, my soul needed to express my consciousness of that presence, and I couldn't do it in a way that others would not understand. So I excused myself. Otherwise, I'd have sat there saying, So when you're in renewal, when you're in personal renewal, all right, you're experiencing a greater consciousness of God's presence and a reawakening of passion, purpose, and vision. When you are in personal renewal, you're experiencing a greater consciousness of God's presence. You are experiencing a reawakening, a re awakening, a reawakening of what? Come on. I'll leave. You are experiencing a reawakening of what? You know why I have you say it? Because you're only committed to what you confess. So I've got to get you to confess it. You understand when, when, pe when people are standing before the preacher and they're getting married, they exchange vows. You know why they exchange vows publicly? They're confessing. They're confessing their commitment to one another with witnesses. I was there. I heard you say it. Love, honor, charity. Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> That's why I have you confess it. And that's the power of confession. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth, confession leads to salvation. And with the heart, we believe unto righteousness. That's the power of these things. That's why you say, say it, say it. You're going to do it, say it. It's very important. Okay, so renewal, spiritual renewal is a what? A reawakening of? It's a reawakening of? So every time I say to you that renewal is a reawakening of, you're going to say, I'm loving you all this morning. It's a reawakening. So along with that, creativity, innovation, all of those things. And let me tell you something. When that's reawakened in you, you become magnetic. Let's go back to, 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 to Matthew 6.33. All right, it's called the law of attraction. All right, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The context of that passage is Jesus talking about what the Gentiles seek, food, clothing, shelter, you know, prosperity, all of those things. He's saying that if you seek the kingdom of God, God's way of doing and being, all right, you will become magnetic and the things that they are chasing after, you will attract. That's a kingdom principle. You don't have to pursue what you can attract. I'm trying to help you all flourish here. Are you hearing me? You don't have to pursue what you can attract by the person you become. So you don't pursue a husband. You Speaking to the sisters, excuse us. Sisters, you don't have to pursue a husband. You... You attract one. 
you attract one. Right? And you have a vetting process as well. Just because you attract him doesn't mean he's the one. <laughs> While you attract him, you can attract a lot of stuff, you know. <laughs> so on a cultural level, cultural renewal, cultural renewal means that the society at large reawakens to passion, purpose, and vision. Can a culture, can a society, can a nation experience revival? Can a nation experience revival? Can a society experience revival? Especially if it claims to be one nation under God. Because that declaration gives God, invites God into the culture. And America needs revival. America needs revival. America needs revival. And, and, and I feel it, I sense it, because we have been in crisis. So if I interpret crisis correctly, I must find within that crisis a pruning which is about renewal. A reawakening. A reawakening of what? So not just for the person, not just personally, but societally. And, re, and, 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 and revival or renewal that's awakened in the individual, all right, it lights a fire. It spreads within the society, within the culture, within the church, within the organization. Within the company, whatever it may be. Because there are times when companies need to experience it. Amen? Amen. Yeah, and you could tell that they're experiencing it when they come up with a new product line. When they realize it's time to move beyond Coke. So we're going to create Cherry Coke. It's a reawakening. Let me give you the Arbonaut translation of Matthew 6.33. Can I share that with you? You have many translations. All right? So don't get holy on me and say, he's translating it. <laughs> yes, you have many translations. <laughs> NIV, New King James, English Standard Version, World English Bible, and on and on and on. In fact, on my phone, I have 32 translations of the Bible. Why do you have so many translations? I want to find the one that works for you. Whatever it takes to convince you, I'm going to use that translation. So let me give you this. Matthew 6.33. You ready? Spiritual renewal is always followed by economic revitalization. Let me try that one more time. Spiritual renewal is always followed by economic revitalization. It's true for the individual. It's true for a society, it's true for a company, it's true for a corporation, it's true for a collective body, a ministry, whatever it is. Whenever spiritual renewal takes place, there's an awakening of what? Passion. Whenever spiritual renewal is active, there's a what? A reawakening of what? So when he says, seek first the kingdom of God, that results in spiritual renewal. When you start seeking the kingdom of God, God's way of doing and being, it's going to awaken inside of you what three things? You know what gets me is people can come sit here, hear this good preaching, go home and nothing changed. You're here to be changed. If you want to remain the same, you could do that at home by yourself. I will tell you it's a downward spiral. You don't get better, you get worse. You want to change for the better. So Matthew 6.33, for us who are awakened to purpose, passion, and vision, 
Matthew 6.33 says what? Spiritual renewal is always followed by what? Economic revitalization. When I awaken with passion, purpose, and vision, it's going to affect my pocketbook. You see, now you get excited when I say pocketbook. Oh, boy. I awaken you with that word instead of passion, purpose, and vision. Because it means it's going to change your quality of life. It's going to change your quality of life. See? And this is why religion is so important. And while pastors are repenting for their former teachings, let me repent today. Some of y'all got that, and some of you just shot right by you. Okay, I'll leave it, leave it alone right there. <laughs> I used to bash the word religion when I didn't appreciate what it really meant. Because, unfortunately, religion has gotten a bad rap, the word religion. So when you think about religion, you think about the institutional church its irrelevance, its antiquated practices, or wars that have been fought in the name of religion, blood that has been shed, lives. And, you know, there are people who, who just against religion, and that's what they throw at us. They say, wow, well, religion, you know, how many wars have been fought over religion? How many people have been killed? How many heard that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not religion. That's humans acting up. I'm going to try that one more time. Look, don't let the deep stuff pass you by. That's humans acting up, motivated by greed, ambition, imperialism, power, whatever it is. Don't confuse that with religion. Religion is simply the codification of our spirituality into ritual and practice. It's simply the codification of our spirituality into ritual and practice and seasons and holy days. Which means that we were spiritual long before religion came along. Are you hearing me? We were spiritual long before religion came along. In fact, religion discovered our spirituality and then put it into ritual and practice. And why is ritual and practice? Why is going to church, prayer, fasting, studying the scripture, uh, generosity and solitude? Why are all those spiritual disciplines important? Because they do two things. Number one, they cause us to live in a consciousness of God's presence and our relationship with him. And number two, it memorializes our relationship with God. Because if we didn't pray and fast and go to church and, 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 and engage in study and solitude and all of those things, right, we would be less conscious of God's presence. So to take it and codify it into ritual and practice and holy days, Holiday is simply holy days. Holy days that we celebrate, it keeps us in a God consciousness. We are conscious of his presence. That's what religion does. That's what it's supposed to do. It also brings to society a moral value consensus, which is necessary for peace and justice. So I repent of bashing the word religion when I didn't fully understand Someone asked me, well, why didn't you write more books, man? You got so much content. Why didn't you write more books? I wanted to wait until I had a thorough theological framework because I didn't want to have to write a book to correct the things I got wrong in the first book. <laughs> Stay with me this morning. You hearing me? So, and why the words of Jesus seek first the kingdom of God and his righteous way of doing and being, his righteous and all these things will be added to you because your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. Because your heavenly father knows you have need of these things. Sometimes we treat God like he's oblivious to our experience. He's not. He's not. You know, I thought about something. Can I share it with you? 
I would do it anyway, but thanks for permission. I hear people, and I, and, I, and I have to reflect, and this comes from reflection, right? Then you go back and study, because once you reflect, it raises questions. So you have to go back and study, right? And I used to hear, and I even read in the book of Job, where Job was in his crisis, and he says, I looked for God where he should be, and he wasn't there. How many ever heard that? If you read the book of Job, yeah. Look for how many times we have sensed this absence of God. How many of you ever felt at some time in your life that God was not there? Amen. Come on, let's tell the truth. Shame the devil. Come on. Yeah, like he was gone, like he checked out. Where are you, Lord? I feel so empty. I feel so distant from you, Lord. Then reflection came into my life, and I started thinking about those. I said, wait, wait a minute. Wait, hold up. Time out. If God is omnipresent, which means everywhere present at the same time, then his absence is not his problem. It's my problem. Because if he is everywhere present at all times, how could he be absent? then maybe the problem is not with God. It's with me. And I have to ask, well, what is interfering with my consciousness of his presence, my awareness of his presence, and I begin to deal with my own life? Are you with me? Reflection asks questions and challenges things that we believe, challenges our assumptions and our choices, our beliefs, assumptions, and choices. This is important. Amen? Amen? So, the purpose of the earth, the purpose of the world is what? CCC? I'm going to help you out on this one. The purpose of the world, God's purpose for the world is two words. Human flourishing. Write it down. Right next to passion, purpose, and vision. What's the purpose of the world? What's the purpose for the earth? What is the... See, if you don't believe this, you're not reading the book carefully. Because after he put everything in order, put the systems in place, then he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then he told man, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. How many got to that? How many got that far in the book? Raise your hand. I want to see who didn't get to Genesis 1. See, I'm your spiritual father, so I can rebuke you, encourage you. All so you can grow. Because that's what human flourishing is all about. That's what human flourishing is all about. To flourish means to grow and develop in a healthy and vigorous way, especially in the environment conducive to that growth and development. So it's not just having the resources, but having the right environment. Because how many know you can't grow and develop in every environment? Some environments will stunt your growth and development. What's the purpose of the earth, CCC? I can't hear you. What's the purpose of the earth? So in as much as people identify you as a CCCite, when they hear you say, grace and peace, you must now also be identified by two words. 
human flourishing. What's the purpose of the earth? What's the purpose of the earth? What's God's purpose for you? Beloved, I wish above all things that you I was reading where some scholars says, you know, some of you uh, Christians leaders make too much out of that passage in 3 John 2. It was simply a greeting from John to Gaius. Problem with that, to diminish it to just a greeting, takes it out of the context of inspired truth. It's part of the inspired text. So if it's inspired by God, I've got to put more weight on it and take it a little bit more seriously than just a greeting. It's an expression of God's purpose for humanity. Just like be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. And even after the cataclysmic flood that wiped out the earth's population, except Noah and his family, and things are about to renew, what does God say to Noah? Be fruitful. Genesis 8.22, write it down. Be what? Be fruitful. Multiply. What does he say? Be fruitful. Multiply. Jesus comes on the scene, the fulfillment of prophecy, and what does he say? Say, I am come that you may have, and that you might have it. And John sending a, a letter to Gaius, what does he say? Beloved, I wish above all things that you and be in, even as your And what does that mean in two words? I love you, I love you, I love you. I want you, I want for you what God wants for you. I'm going to try that one more time. I want for you what God wants for you. Problem here. I can want it. God can want it, but if you don't want it, it's not going to happen. Notice what I said. It's to develop and grow in a healthy and vigorous way. You know what the word vigorous means? It means energetically, forcefully. And why? Because life is a fight for territory. The earth, the world that God created for our flourishing, once Adam and Eve sinned, the relationship changed. The earth that was supposed to cooperate with us became antagonistic, and we entered something called the toil of everyday life. The judgment was thorns and thistles. It's going to yield, so you have to find the fruit and productivity in the midst of the thorns and the thistles. It's going to take work now. The cooperation that I set up for you, you violated. I still want you to continue that mandate of being fruitful and multiply, but it's going to be a little harder. How many understand that? So life is a fight for what? Territory. You've got to fight to prosper. You've got to fight for your health. You've got to fight for the prosperity of your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Amen? So God wants you to flourish. What's the purpose of the earth? 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 What's God's purpose for you? Yeah, you're a human, aren't you? What's God's purpose for you? That you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Are you with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, he just finished the introduction. And with two minutes left, I'm going to get into the message. (laughs) 
Jesus said, the tithe is not enough. That's the title of my message. Did you all get that? What's the title of my message? No, no, no. You got to get the authority behind it. Jesus said. Are you all hearing me? What's the title of my message? Let's go to Luke 11.42. I'm going to have to come back next week. Luke 11.42. In this chapter, Jesus is pronouncing woes on the religious leaders. Luke eleven forty two, He's saying, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. And look, if Jesus says, woe unto you, you are in trouble. <laughs> right? But look at what he says. Woe to you, Pharisees. These are the keepers of the law. He says, for you, what? I can't hear you. For you, what? I can't hear you. For you, what? Come on, you're saying the word like you don't do it. Come on. T-I-T-H-E. It simply means tenth. It means tenth, okay? All right. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you what? What is he, what is he saying they do? They tithe mint and rue and every herb. And please understand that the origin of the tithe doesn't begin with the law of Moses, not even with Abraham. It goes back to Mesopotamia, Syria, Greece, Palestine. It goes back to ancient culture. All right? You tithe mint, rue, and every herb and neglect what? You, what do you neglect? Justice and the love of God. In the King James language, it says mercy. Justice and Mercy, justice, and the love of God in the ESV. So he acknowledges their actions, right, of tithing. And he says, you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect what? What do they neglect? And the love of God. Those you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Did you hear that? Yes. What are the those that you ought to have done? Tithe. And not neglect justice and the love of God or justice and mercy. So Jesus affirms tithing. And this is a conversation that has come up with great controversy because there are those who say tithing is under the law we're no longer under the law so we don't have to tithe anymore and that's interesting because there was no law when Abraham tithed and I feel this way if you need a theological reason not to give just don't give don't come up with a theological reason to make yourself feel better because evidently you feel guilty about not doing it. So you have to come up with a justification. You see, uh, in uh, Revelation, uh, just don't do it. But for us who understand the principles of human flourishing, our attitude is different. I wish I had more. How, how much time do I have? What time is it? It's, oh, man. And why is attitude important? Because attitude determines and approach determines success or failure. Attitude is your intellectual and emotional disposition concerning something. Attitude is your intellectual 
an emotional disposition towards something. In other words, attitude is what you think and feel about something. And whatever that intellectual disposition is, an emotional disposition is, will determine how you approach the subject. Amen. Amen. Are you all with me here? And I will say, I was reading a Wall Street Journal article that's dated 2007. Guess what it was about? The controversy in the Christian community around tithing. Here it is, 15 years later, it comes back up again. And it's going to keep, keep coming back up until you settle what it means to you. It was never under the law. It was never an obligation of the law. It was always an act of faith. The law came by Moses, not the tithe. It began in the Bible with Abraham and then Jacob. And Abraham tithed based upon an established tradition that was in ancient culture. Hello. All right, some of you all getting quiet. You're looking guilty. Jesus affirmed it in saying, you ought to do that. But at the same time, don't think that that divorces you from the responsibility of justice and mercy, pursuing justice and mercy in our society. So there's what we do in terms of generosity and giving, all right? And there's what we do in terms of making a difference to change the status quo that continues to disenfranchise, discriminate against, and marginalize certain people within a society. Is that, is that making sense to you all? Amen. What's the purpose of the earth? Human flourishing. So I want to talk about this and just set the theology of the house, set the attitude of the house, set the intellectual and emotional disposition of CCC with regard to that and equip you to have the conversation. Not in a combative way trying to prove you're right, but to simply explain why you do it. Because your position, your intellectual and emotional disposition is driven by human flourishing. Not a set of laws that you keep. It is not out of obligation that we give, whether it's 10%, 5%, 3%, doesn't matter. See, because there are certain characteristics about successful people, and one of them is generosity. Successful people are generous. And if you're going to be successful in human flourishing, one of the characteristics that you must develop is generosity. Are you hearing me? And, 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 and by that, I don't mean a, a, a one-off. In other words, where every now and then, you're generous. Turn your neighbors. He's talking about somebody you know. I'm not, so I'm not talking about generosity as random behavior. Every now and then, it shows up and you do something and shocks all the people who know you. You... You gave? (laughs) Tell your neighbor, say, I know somebody like that. (laughs) I'm talking about generosity as a basic moral orientation. A basic moral orientation to freely give and be concerned about the welfare of others. I'm talking about a basic personal moral orientation. In other words, that's just how you are. See, for me, tithing is set it and forget it. It comes out of my paycheck every week, 
goes to the church. I don't think about it until I have to file my taxes. That's when it comes up. And I realize, oh, gee, that's pretty good. Instead of, oh, man, sorry, Lord. I said and forget it. Because if you don't set it and forget it, you're going to struggle with it every week. Why put yourself in that position? And it forces you to learn how to live on what's left, which is called discipline. It brings in the power of delayed gratification. Five common characteristics of successful people. Talent, reputation, faithfulness, generosity, and relationality. You want me to unpack them? Then stay tuned for A.R. Bernard's message. Jesus said the tithe is not enough. And I got to stop here. And our minister, Minister Misha, who is ever ready, at the ready, <laughs> is going to talk to you in this audience and you on our internet audience about your relationship with God. Amen. Because God is generous Amen. to all of humanity. Amen. He causes his sun to shine on the evil and the good. He causes his rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For God loves the world. But he especially loves those who are in a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Everybody becomes a theologian when it's time to give. But even the most sophisticated words can't conceal a hardened heart. But God's word will eventually penetrate the hardest heart. That is why there is power in a practiced public confession. Sometimes a word you have heard before hits you in a particular way at the appointed time. Pastor said, spiritual renewal precedes economic revitalization. So at first, Lori and I laughed because we knew the word. And then we laughed again because it hit different today because our bills are telling us it's time for spiritual renewal. <laughs> now we close every service by saying Jesus is Lord, but we can't do that without giving someone the opportunity to make him Lord. I've said it before and I will say it again. Church with your wife keeps you accountable. And having Minister Melissa sitting next to her creates a de facto amen corner because they almost always agree. So when pastor starts holding husbands accountable, I hear the amplified version. But God creates amen corners in our lives, the communities that bear witness to the state of our walk for better and for worse. We don't grow in isolation. We grow in community. Pastor said, whether you bear fruit or not, you're going to get cut. And depending on where you are, who's saying that, and what's in your hand, you're going to hear it differently. That's a different word in an alleyway or a business meeting than it is in the sanctuary. Now when pastor says, I rebuke you, I'm checking where I am and what's in his hand. <laughs> but all spiritual renewal is by way of crisis. When passion, purpose, and vision are awakened in your life, creativity will occur. But like our public confessions, our maturation requires participation. We have to study and reflect to grow. But also like our public confession and our amen corners, God assembles a community to bear witness to our maturation and to encourage us to grow in the habits which express our love for God. God's purpose for the world is human flourishing. And when pastor said that, I looked at his hands again. When a father rebukes you, it doesn't always feel good. But it is good. It's necessary. Pastor wants for us what God wants for us. We don't grow in isolation. We grow in community. That is why we gather. It is why we study. It is why we pray. It is even why we give. And when we do, God meets us there. And that is good news. Let's give God praise. The good news is that a holy God so loved a rebellious world that he sent his only begotten son to live a sinless life, 
die in our place and rise from the grave conquering death. And in doing so, he paid the price for our sin and gives us a right to everlasting life. The good news is that we serve a faithful God. The good news is that we can know him today. We can be saved. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you'd like to do that, I'd like to pray with you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd just like to pray with you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If you need truth, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you want to live in freedom, if you've been living in bondage and you want to live at this new level of life that you are hearing about, that you see in the word, that you are hearing pastor preach about today, and and, and if you've been here before on other days before, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I need some help here. All right, I thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. If you raised your hand, and if you didn't, but you know I'm talking to you sometimes, sometimes it can be a little intimidating to raise your hand in a room this big. But if that's you and I'm talking to you, I'm just going to ask you to take a step of faith. Come down to this altar so that the church, we the church, can pray for you together. Beloved, let us encourage them as they come. This is a moment, this is a moment that seems like could seem just like people walking forward in a room, but this is a moment in which God is doing something new. This is a moment, beloved. I don't know if you remember when you first came to Christ. I don't know if you remember all the times that you've come to the altar. I can, I can remember more than a few. And these are moments, hallelujah. These are moments, they are coming. These are moments of transformation. These are moments, these are moments of transition. These are moments of power. These are moments of truth. These are moments when God is moving. Beloved, let us not miss the significance, the power of this moment. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice for the one, for the two, for the three. Let us rejoice that each person here represents a story. Each person here represents a community. Each person here represents a prayer, a dream in the mind of God. Each person here represents destiny. Each person here represents a a, a future we haven't even seen yet. We don't know what God will do, but God said, I know the thoughts I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end and hope for the future. You may have been exiled from hope, but today you can come home. And for that, we can give God praise. Okay. Show of hands. Who is coming for the very first time? Who is coming for prayer? rededication praise the Lord since there are people here and there are people watching us at home going to pray both prayers so and beloved join with me as we support them for salvation just repeat after me father father I thank you I thank you for this opportunity to open my heart to your love for me I repent of my sin I believe Christ died on the cross and rose again to pay the price for my sin. I confess him as Lord and Savior. And your word says, I'm born again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let us pray this prayer for those who are rededicating, those who are coming for prayer. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of grace, that you are a God of mercy, that you are a God of renewal. Thank you for the process of renewal started in me today. Thank you that if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive my cleansing. I receive my healing. I begin renewal today in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, can we just give God praise? For those born again, for those engaged in revival, for those starting a new day, a new path, a new season.
family, we believe that if you prayed that prayer, uh, that you, if you prayed the prayer of salvation, that you are now born again. Change is not an event. It is a process. Now the journey in Christ begins. I need you to do four things. Begin to study the word, get in a Bible teaching church, invest in community, keep showing up and tell someone about the decision that you made. If you're calling online, we have some, we have, there's a, if you're watching us online, there's a number for you to call. Uh, sometimes my verbs are getting a little, I need tongues. At the bottom of your screen, uh, we had asked you to call it. We have some people who want to speak with you. <sighs> for those three of you who are at the altar, I'm just invite you, just going to ask you now to just turn around because we have some people who have been praying for you, who are waiting for you, who are looking for you, and we just want to take this moment to celebrate you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. May God continue to bless you. Your life will never be the same. Amen, amen. Come on, give God a good hand clap offering. So what's the purpose of the earth? And reawake, renewal is the reawakening of what? I can go home now. We want the best for you. We're going to unpack this because you come here to learn and then you leave here to apply what you learn. Amen? And make it a part of your life. Those who love truth make it a part of their character. Those who lust truth make it a part of their appearance. Love the truth. Love the truth. Don't just want to look smart. Be smart. Live it out. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, let's say something good as we leave this place, but never God's presence. Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it. We proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you, and God bless.